Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast with Nicolene Peck. Improving your life, uniting your family, changing the world. Welcome to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. I'm Nicolene Peck and I'm joined here with my daughter, Paige Baumert. Hi, Paige. Hello. So Paige, today we are going to talk about fairness. We've all heard the children say, that's not fair, right? And children seem to be obsessed with fair. And some parents get kind of obsessed with fair too. There's a place for fairness. And then there's a place where fairness can maybe hurt. And we're going to talk about that. But also, I'm going to be talking about Paige in this, in this podcast, something people may not have considered as far as how to create the most fair environment without having to have everything exactly the same. So this is going to be a fun thing to talk about. Yeah. So we're going to spend some time there, but before we do, as is tradition here on the teaching self-government podcast, we're going to talk about a fun family activity, something you can do with your family, maybe something that hardly costs you a thing. In fact, this one could be free Paige, What is a fun family activity that we could talk about today? This one I actually really, really love. It's a do-it-yourself photo shoot. So I know a lot of times we'll get together um, with cousins and things and we will, you know, borrow someone's phone or pull out our phones and we'll just take pictures of each other, you know, in silly or, you know, cute poses, stuff like that. It just creates a lot of fun memories. I know we've even done it where we find the silliest costumes possible and then take photos. It's so fun. It is a fun. So then we're bringing in dress up, right? Finding Mm -hmm. the crazy things you've got around the house, dressing up and taking photos. Um, We have done so many photo shoots. In fact, I would say London and Porter, especially are like photo shoot, photo shoot. When they get together with the cousins, they like to go find a nice little scenic place, (laughs) you know, somewhere in the mountains or with the a perfect brick wall or some metal stairs or, or something. And they go and they take pictures. And so this is something they often plan to do. And it's really a fun thing. So we go new places and they're like, let's have a photo shoot. So mm-hmm. you could have a photo shoot anytime, anywhere. And honestly, those turn out to be some fun photos sometimes. In fact, I have taken many photos from just family photo shoots and we have turned them into big pictures and hung them on the wall. So if you've got a good phone camera, there you go. Mm-hmm. All right. Speaking of lenses and cameras, which we've been talking about, we are going to be looking at fairness today through the lens of self-government. So self-government is something that a person possesses that leads to ultimate freedom ultimate freedom. Now I know a lot of people think that stuff creates freedom. They think, you know, having anything they want whenever they want creates freedom. And so then people are very, very entitled. And you know what, when you have an entitled mindset, you are never free. Now let's talk about entitlement page. What is something that uh, potentially could lead to entitlement maybe that we're talking about today? Having everything exactly the same and expecting the same treatment as someone else. Mm-hmm. It's true. We, we do know, you know, that there are people around us, maybe certain populations that just expect, well, well, I don't have that. And so somebody better give it to me. Right. And we go, that's horrible. That's entitlement. That's, that's bad for our society. Right. And stuff like that. And it's, it's just selfish. But sometimes if you make things too fair for a person, 
then it leads to this type of selfish. So we're going to talk about how to have that perfect balance with fairness, what to do about that here in our um, in our podcast. But, you know, self-government actually, if done correctly, is actually completely fair. Principally, it's completely fair. But that doesn't mean that every single person is going to get exactly what they want. Because self-government really involves each individual. And when you're talking about each individual, sometimes people need different things, don't they? And so when you're the parent and you're working on that, you've got to keep that in mind, of course. So let's talk about children and, and fairness. Paige, I know that recently you've been doing some studies about children and fairness. And um, how do children think about fairness? I mean, if you say, oh, things don't have to be fair, are they like, oh, okay. No, they want to have the same things that their siblings have. So in fact, uh, I had a psychology class uh, recently and we were learning about, you know, child development and um, different stages of brain development. And my teacher, he was a younger father and he said, oh yeah, you know, my, my oldest son, he was in one phase and the next child down, my daughter, she was in another, you know, brain development phase. And so my older son had two graham crackers, two full-size graham crackers, and she only had one full-size graham cracker. And she's like, hey, he has two. I have one. And so I took her graham cracker and broke it in two, and she was completely happy. You know, she didn't realize that she didn't have the same amount of graham crackers. She just knew she had two, just like her brother, and she was happy. Mm-hmm. And so... And it's funny because he said, you know, my son, he was just kind of snickering in the corner, like, oh my goodness, she has no idea, you know, <laughs> but it's kind of the same way with, um, you know, teaching self-government and parenting. So I know growing up or not growing up, but once I got a little older, I looked back on some of the things that you had taught us mom and some of the things that you had put in force and that you didn't necessarily put in force in the same way with London and Porter. And I'm like, what, what is going on here? Why are they not, why are they allowed to do this at this age? That was not a thing for me. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of older siblings run across this. And what did I tell you? Because I, because I I remember this conversation. I had the conversation with you. I also had the conversation (laughs) with Quinn because Mm -hmm. he said the same thing. He's like, wait a minute. We didn't get to watch that show. Like what, Mm -hmm. you know, why would they get to watch that show at this age or whatever? And what did I tell you? Do you remember? Yeah. You said, well, they don't have younger people looking up to them. Whereas we did. So you had to set the, the standard and the rules for everyone that would fit for all ages. So that meant that, you know, our media selection was a bit more strict um, because, you know, family movie night, you have to have something that's appropriate for people of all ages. And so, you know, when we moved out and moved to college, we could make our own media choices and whatnot. But then, you know, as they got older, there were no younger people to consider. And so Mm -hmm. things changed. And at first, so family movie night, we're going to watch, we could watch something that's a little bit more intense, you know, or whatever. I mean, still, we're not going to be watching our movies (laughs) in our family, but like, but like we might watch something that's a little bit more intense where with you guys, we didn't want to give anybody nightmares. We didn't want to give anybody. No, and it wasn't just that. Have it it be too, uh, too much adult content, you know, and, and too much and maybe attitude problem or whatever, like we had to keep things. Yeah. When it wasn't just like the media choices either, I noticed 
that you and dad became a little more relaxed when it came to certain parenting things. I'm like, what, what, hold on a minute, you know, but I realized after a little bit, I'm like, you know, they don't need to be as stringent as they used to be because London and Porter get it. They're all there. You know, they totally understand they're self-governing people and, you know, sure. They still need corrections here and there. Well, I mean, London's an adult now. And so it's just Porter, but (laughs) Um, yeah, but like he hardly ever needs to be corrected because he's grown up with it being so consistent with us older children. Well, yeah. And so when you guys were, when you guys were his age, you know, you're like 16, 17 or whatever. Well, he's like way younger, right? He's like 10, Mm -hmm. you know, or something. And so And so we just kept the dialogue. I mean, you know, our dialogue is pretty much always the same anyway, but like, but we kept, you know, things fairly similar and then transitioned you guys kind of in a a graduation type way, um, you know, a little bit more slowly than we did London and Porter. Number one, you and Quinn definitely pushed back more more Hmm. against, um, against family things. You, you both had a little bit more boundaries and yeah, yeah, you had a little bit more of a, like a testing type personality where Porter and London are not, they're like, yeah, I see the wisdom in that. That's what I'm doing. Like they Mm -hmm. just, you know, they're just all in, like you said with everything. And I mean, they're like, Oh, Whoa. I mean, I am raising my children this way. There was probably a time where you were like, these corrections, I, they bug me, you know, or whatever. And, but, um, but we had to maintain that consistency, not only because you were a different person and we had to make sure that you had what you needed, but with, with Porter say, who's 17, he really doesn't need uh, much. And in the way of correction, like he's at this stage where I can say to him, Oh, Hey, um, I need you to I'm trying to think of one. Oh, I said to him the other day, I need you to go out and pick the the whole tree of fruit, you know? Um, And, and he's like, okay. And he went and, you know, he went to his room, but he didn't walk immediately out there. He didn't have shoes on. So, but he just kind of went and got his stuff. And I mean, I didn't have to follow him around. Nothing. He just did it. Right. And I said to London, she was in the middle of doing some work. And I said, Hey, today, and she's an adult, right? And my husband, I said, Hey, today, can you be sure to go and pick the beans or whatever and, and pick the cucumbers and stuff. And, and so, and I, I was leaving, I was leaving for hours and hours. I mean, she could have done it whenever, right. But I came home, all the beans were bagged in the fridge and they were ready to go. And the cucumbers were there and, and they just remember, like, I, n- I never have to nag them. I never have to. And so that's just the way they're super, super responsible. Yeah. And two. I think it's because of the consistency growing up. They saw, mm-hmm. especially, I know with me, I tended to lag a little bit, especially with chores I didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. You would kind of like, ah. And then sometimes half-hearted, you know, and yeah. Quinn did the same thing. for. And I think oh, they saw we'll that and they're like, and eh, we're good. We'll just get it done and then be done. I actually don't know if they ever noticed that because I always corrected you guys and you always did it the right way. But mm-hmm. they just, I think, thought, well, why get corrected, right? Yeah. So, yeah, we're not correcting them probably as often as we corrected you and Quinn. But also, if I do correct Porter because he has so... I mean, his track record is like 90 something percent. Okay. (laughs) So if he, so if he needs a correction and he's, he's going to be an adult in months. Okay. It's not even a year, it's months. So if he needs a correction, all I have to do is look at him and say, Oh, Porter, Hey, I told you to do that. And I noticed 
it didn't get done. He immediately feels remorse. I can tell. And he's like, Oh, sorry, mom. He's like, yeah, I'll go get that done. I mean, that's just kind of what happens. Mm -hmm. And so, because that's, I mean, his heart's changing. That's the whole point of self-government is to have a change of heart. Right. Yeah. So in fact, but I, I think that's what that I had. I think, I think that's what I had when, you know, I was realizing, you know, after I got married and I would come visit home and I'm like, wait, that should have been a correction. In fact, I even fell into a little like bossy stage again. I mean, we've talked about this in previous podcasts, but um, you know, London and Porter would say something like, you didn't accept a no answer or mom, why didn't you correct that? You know, because I'm like, you're not being as consistent. But then I realized and had my own change of heart. And I'm like, oh, you know, they don't actually need that. And so, I mean, it still bugged me for a little bit because I'm like, well, that's not fair. You know, why do I have to go through all that? But I realized it's okay. Like, they're doing wonderful. And it's because they they have different needs than I did at their age. Yeah. Well, the thing is, is we do correct stuff with them. But they're not necessarily like at his age, he's not, he's not earning an extra chore. Like that's very rare that that would ever happen because his heart is just where it needs to be. Mm-hmm. And so I can just say, Oh, Hey, you didn't do that. You need to get it done. He'll say, okay. And he just gets it done and I don't have to nag and he doesn't, and I don't have to do tons of reminders. And I don't, I mean, because he really truly is like all in with everything that we're doing. Right. And so where you weren't seeing a correction um, that, you know, that led to maybe an extra chore, which is what you were used to seeing me do with them when they, um, when they were older, we transitioned them to a little bit more of a, a natural system because they already were so good at the others. Now, when my foster children came to my home, sometimes at 17, well, they still had to go through the, okay, well, we're going to earn an extra chore and we're going to do the correction the same every time. And then we're going to take the last little bit of time that they're in my home and transition them to, okay, now this is what it's going to be like in, in regular life. Right. And do this Mm -hmm. quick transition and their prefrontal cortexes were older. So we could do that, but Porter and London have been at it their whole entire lives. So anyway, here we are talking, you know, we digress. This is just a lot of stuff that we're (laughs) talking. Maybe it's not even interesting. I don't know, but, um, but the point is fairness, right? So you were thinking, well, that's not exactly fair because I remember things a certain way. I got Uh, treated so harshly. Well, this is also like your mindset, right? Mm -hmm. And so you have to remember, and you've heard me speak at how many classes, oh, this is, this is what we do. This is what we do. This is what we do. And so if you ever don't see something done exactly the same, then you actually are like, wait a minute, Mm -hmm. wait a minute. My radar just went up because not only have I taught this, not only have (laughs) I lived this, you know, whatever, but, and you're like, wait a second, but what you weren't taking into account was that I knew developmentally what Porter's needs are at 17 years old Mm -hmm. and what he, um, is totally doing 99% of the time when you might not be there. Like sometimes when you come over, he gets a little selfish. I'm not going to lie. Anyway. (laughs) Well, I think that's what I didn't understand was that, you know, you were discerning what each, what we each needed individually. And so, and I think a lot of children don't understand that, you know, whether they're my age, you know, in their twenties or in their teens, or, you know, when, when they're young, they don't understand that each child might need individual care and individual uh, treatment. Mm -hmm. And I think you've hit on something really good here. And and that is that 
I think almost every sibling looks at either the older, like the youngers look to the older and say, well, that's not fair. They get to stay up later. Well, they get it, you know, cause you and Quinn, sometimes we get to stay up and watch a movie that London and Porter were not going to be able to see. Mm-hmm. Right. And that was when they would say, well, that's not fair. And well, exactly right. It is not fair, actually. <laughs> so because it, it, it's, I mean, it is and it isn't because developmentally, when we factor that in, it was okay for you guys to have that little extra movie with mom and dad that the younger children couldn't see. But then when you see family movie night being a movie that we wouldn't have watched as the whole family, you're saying, well, that's not fair. <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but actually it is, if you consider developmentally where a person is at. So oftentimes yeah. the youngers look up and say, that's not fair. And the olders look down and say, that's not fair. And this is a very common thing. In fact, I always said, you know what? God knows exactly what he's doing. He put you children in exactly the birth order that you're supposed to be. And Quinn got way more attention when he was a baby and Porter gets more attention when he's older. And that's just how it is. Uh, yeah. You know, well, I, mean, I think his birth order, you know, yeah. and it's fair because God put it in order, even mm-hmm. though it's not exactly the same. And I think that's the thing we got to remember is I don't know if fair always means same. And I think that's what we people get hung up on fairness. Children get hung up. Uh-huh hung up on fairness. Well, like and so do parents. About the cookies. Yeah. But, but what, what they're really getting hung up on is sameness. They're saying this sameness thing is bugging mm-hmm. me. And really, if you go to true fairness, then you're not going to be seeing because fairness so, factors in everything. I think fairness is really being like able justice. to meet everyone's needs, you know, with what they need instead of you know, oh, everyone gets the same bag of chips, you know, or whatever it is. So I think fairness is being able to meet everyone's needs to the fullest of your ability, no matter what those needs are or how they differ. Mm -hmm. Okay. So a lot of parents don't understand discerning differently for each individual child, like you're talking about, right? and they make some mistakes. So I know a woman who had multiple children. I'm trying to think it was six, maybe I think, or seven, even maybe. And she decided that she was going to make sure everything was always fair. And I saw this woman periodically on a regular basis and her children were always grumpy and whining (laughs) and complaining. And she said to me one day, she's like, Nicolene, how are your children so happy? Because my children, all they ever do is complain. And she says, I make things exactly fair. If I give one, if I buy one person a toy, I buy everybody the same toy. I was like, whoa, whoa. And and, I mean, that's just what she said. She says, but yet they just complain, complain all the time. And I said, well, you're doing them a really uh, big disservice, actually, by, by trying to make everything exactly the same. Because you, you can't make life the same for two people. It's impossible. We all have different experiences. We all have different needs. And, and we have, you know, somebody says something to us, but they don't say it to the whole rest of the group. Well, then all of a sudden, mm-hmm. sameness is gone, right? So you can't, you can't create sameness. And I said, and when you do, you're going to have problems, right? So it's a major problem because um, it teaches entitlement, it teaches manipulation. Parents actually, she didn't want the children to be upset or whiny. So she bought them all the same exact thing. It's <laughs> actually manipulating to try to get them not to be whiny. Mm-hmm. And then they actually manipulate to get more stuff, which then, or whatever it is, more perks yep. or, or whatever. So it leads to just more and more manipulation. And it really goes against growth 
and development like we've been like we've been talking about so when you try to make everything the same all ages I mean good luck the needs are so different and so somebody's development is not going to be being paid attention to as much as somebody else's Mm -hmm. because you know whoever the whiniest one is or whoever the youngest one is or the oldest one they're going to be dictating what everybody else does then all the time and and really um that's that doesn't really go for meeting each person's needs, which is what I think a lot of parents who want, who, who get into the sameness thing are, are trying to do it is make sure everybody gets what they want, but you can't do that. It's impossible. So um, my father used to always say to me, your grandfather, Paige, he used to always say fair is a myth. No, you it's told not- that to us all the time. <laughs> I know it. this was because it's actually a principle. It is a principle. Fair is a myth. If life were fair, we'd all be rich. Or if life were fair, we'd all be poor, right? Mm -hmm. Like everything would literally be exactly the same if we look at fairness as sameness, okay? So fairness as sameness is absolutely a myth. It's impossible to accomplish. You can't. Um, A government can try, you know, a philanthropist can try, but you can't. You can't do it because of each person being an individual, So anyway, children need to know, they need to know fair is a myth. They need to know that they can't expect fairness in, in things or treatment or attention that they get from other people or anything. And and I know that's hard because people see, you know, you see somebody laughing at somebody else's joke. And so then what do little children do? What do they do? They try to make, they just laugh. Yeah. Or they, yeah, they say the same thing and expect laughter and they want the same laughing, you know, and and, um, you know, I mean, it wouldn't be a sh- har- super harmful if you did laugh, but, but the thing is, is that they're trying to get the same attention. They want, mm-hmm. they want the fairness, the same. Well, and that's and, why young children, when one gets praised, they'll do the same exact thing because they want praise. Mm-hmm. And I always say, just praise them because show them good equals good, right? Cause mm-hmm. and effect. That's good. Um, but you know, there is a point where the person realizes the first time the joke happened, it was funny. But the yeah. second time the joke happened, it really wasn't funny, you know, and they learn what funny really is. Or, Maybe present or it to a new group. <laughs> yeah. Well, or there's these great lessons in life. Like, hey, this person got this for Christmas, but, but this person got this for Christmas, you know, and, and that's okay. Mm-hmm. Or this per, for this person, it's her, their birthday today. So they get this and nobody else gets to have it. And yeah. that's okay. And or this person won the tournament, but this person didn't. And that's okay. Right. So I think even as we get older, we have to realize, oh, you know, this person, they're having a really good experience with life. Whereas, oh, you know, I might be going through a really hard time right now, but Mm -hmm. that's okay because we all have different life lessons that we need to learn and God knows the way we need to learn them, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it be through a really hard time because we're super stubborn or (laughs) that's called accepting a no answer, Mm -hmm. right? Or, you know, maybe you've learned what you need to for the time being. And so life is really good and you're learning small lessons through great experiences. You know, a lot of people will complain, you know, why do good things or bad things happen to good people? You know, and it's just, that's, that's how it's life has intended for them to learn those lessons. And, you know, God knows we need to learn those lessons. And so, and he knows exactly the way we need to learn them and the way we will learn them. And so he actually is being fair with us, even development. though it's mm-hmm. our development, mm-hmm. even though it might not seem like it on, you know, the outside, but yeah. 
he is completely fair. He's the only one who can be fair. And, you know, when I, when I realized that, and I learned to look at life and other people's lives through that focus, through that lens, I'm like, oh, well, I guess I'm just super stubborn. (laughs) I think people would contest what you just said. I think people would say, no, God is not completely fair because there are some people that live in these little villages that have no food and water, no clean water to drink, no whatever. But yet that yet there's these other people that have like so much food, they're throwing most of it away. Right. So he might say, um, actually he doesn't make it fair. Um, but, but I, I like how you are saying he actually is totally fair because he knows what each of us need. Well, he's meeting all of our needs to, he knows us on the inside, right? Mm -hmm. He knows us, he knows who we are better than we know who we are. And so he knows really what we need to grow. If we're becoming hard-hearted or selfish or, uh, whatever it is, he knows that we might need a certain challenge or he might know that another person needs us. Right. So we're all, Mm -hmm. you know, we feel impressed to serve and do in different ways and minister and, you know, to different people and stuff like that. And this is, this is all things that we do because we have to learn different lessons and he helps guide us along. At least I feel that guidance in my life. And I think when people really clue into that, they recognize they don't have to have the same life as somebody else's. They just need to make sure that they learn the lessons from their own life and that they are able to appreciate their own journey. I remember when I learned this and it was actually, well, and it's not that I never didn't know it, but this was when I really got it. So I remember when I had my second miscarriage. So I've had four miscarriages, four, eight pregnancies, four miscarriages, four births. And my second miscarriage, I remember going, oh, you know, this is a letdown. And then immediately this thought came to my head. What are you supposed to learn from this? You know, you're supposed to learn from everything. Cause I was trained in that mindset from my parents, from my grandparents. And, and it was just part of how I was raised. And so I thought, what am I supposed to learn from this? And I remember thinking that as I was opening the garage, I remember where I got that thought, what am I supposed to learn from this? And, and so then, um, I went in the house and I immediately prayed and I asked God, okay, this is what's happening to me. What am I supposed to learn from this? And then for days I paid attention. What is it that I'm supposed to learn from this experience? And I learned some profound things, but one of those things, big thing was that I had to really be able to accept his will in all things, his timing in all things. I had to be able to accept a no answer. This was a big, big no answer. And, you know, when we teach our children, you know, in the teaching self-government system, we teach the four basic skills. And one of those four basic skills is accepting no answers. Mm -hmm. And, and also following instructions now that I think about it is another big one too. Um, And that is sometimes you don't want to do something you're told you need to do. And sometimes you want to do something you're told you can't do. And you've got to be able to say, okay, and be okay and drop the subject. And, um, that is great training for truly understanding the will of a greater being in your life, right? And, and understanding true, true love and attention and fairness. So, so let's talk, I, I promised everybody that I would talk about what real fairness is and how to create an environment where you really have fairness. And we're starting to touch on it right now. We're, start, we're getting there. We're starting to touch on this. So let's, so let's really go there. Okay. So there should be some things that are always constant in your home, constant. Mm-hmm. 
And, and Paige, these are things I hope you felt in our home all the time. Pretty sure you did. Cause we've talked about this before, but <laughs> things like love, that's just constant, no matter what you do, no matter how, you know, ignorant of a decision you might make or whatever happens, there's always going to be that love there. And there's always going to be that I'm here for you to help you along. There's going to be the relationship. There's going to be the roles of I'm, I'm the parent and I'm ready. I'm ready to be the parent. I'm going to be here for you. I'm going to help you. Um, these are things that, that need to be constant, that family bonding and that family direction, the vision. Yeah. I think it's important to point out though, that each of those things, although they were constant, they were manifest to each child in different ways based off of what we needed. So, you know, there were, there were times, you know, maybe through different development uh, stages or periods that, you know, maybe one child needed more visible proof of, you know, love and affection. Maybe they needed more physical attention or, um, you know, maybe one child needed a bit more correction than another, you know, it just, it just kind of depended, but all those things were constant. And Mm -hmm. it was only when we started comparing like, oh, you know, so-and-so had more time with dad on their daddy daughter date than I did, you know, or Mm -hmm. whatever. Mm -hmm. That's when we start getting entitled. Yeah, but you guys didn't really say stuff like that. No, 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 no. I'm just uh, hypothetically, you know. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, I don't ever remember things like that. And that's because there was the constant relationship with the Because you met our needs on an individual level. Mm -hmm. There was exactly. Thank you. That's the perfect way to say it. That the, the parents are going to be meeting the needs, going to be giving the attention that a person needs. Those things can be constant. They can be there, even though it one minute over another, somebody else might need attention. And we have this thing called the family vision that we talk about. And it's this, this vision where we plan ahead of what kind of family we're going to be, what it's going to feel like, what the bonds and the relationships are going to be like. And this is huge because the whole family decides ahead of time. This is so important. We will sacrifice for this. We will follow instructions. We will accept no answers. We will have meetings with each other. We will vote on things. We will not always get our way in a vote. We will, you know, accept no answers again and again, because we want this, this other thing, this type of a relationship and a bond with the family unit. And we want it that much that we will sacrifice for it. So every Everyone in the family basically decided it's okay if they'll sacrifice. It's not about my friend, my day, my toy, my food, my seat in the car, my, it's not about that. It's about who we are as a group. It's about the family vision. And so when, yeah, so when you bring the group together around one mission that you're doing, what that, that vision, that picture of who you're becoming and everybody's in on it. And then you correct it every time that it's not right. You do a correction and you help everybody prepare in that direction, going toward that, that vision all of the time. Then guess what? They don't have a problem when somebody else has something different than them. Well, if you think about like certain organizations, when they, like when a whole group gets together to go and, you know, serve, you know, food to large groups of people or whatever, they all have different responsibilities. And sometimes, you know, there's, there's roles that are more strenuous than others. You have people who are managing the whole group, but they're all going towards the same goal. They're all trying to achieve the same thing. And so even if, you know, you only helped a little bit, you know, maybe that's all you were able to do or all you needed to do. You know, usually everyone comes out of that feeling very satisfied and like, oh, wow, I made a difference. 
-hmm. and oh well you know my needs are met and you know other people's Mm -hmm. needs were met but that's the ultimate kind of fair and Mm -hmm. maybe and, and this is kind of like living a consecrated life really okay when you're like you know what? My time is, is everybody else's time. I'm happy to serve and give, and I'm never going to think about what I get. Okay. And when you do that, when every single person does that in your family, we love you all. We serve you all. We don't care if somebody didn't spend the exact same amount of time or effort serving us. Okay. When Mm -hmm. we stop comparing in the family and we start all working for the same goal and, and we put in, we, we utilize our skills and our talents the best we can going in that direction. That is when the ultimate in fair occurs. Because each person is really being their best, doing their best, giving their best, loving their best. And that's when everybody truly is fair. And this leads to unity. This leads to that. Actually, what you just said made me realize that I haven't been completely and utterly fair in my marriage. So not only is it, you know, fairness between children and parents, but it's fairness in marriage as well. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been so many times where I've fallen into the uh, trap of thinking, you know, I do all of this for Joseph and me, and he hasn't done hardly anything, you know, but it's because it's, you're comparing apples and mm-hmm. apples yeah, yeah, instead yeah. of going, wait a minute, I do apples. He does oranges. That's right. what, how it is. Mm-hmm. So Cause we have like, he'll basket. go to, he'll go to work yeah. all day and then come home and want to relax. And I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa you know, what about the chores that need to be done today? I've already done my share of the chores. What about yours? You know, and then, you know, I don't stop to think he's already been working all day. He's been providing, you know, money for our rent, for our apartment. And, and so I've had to catch myself so many times and just say, oh my gosh, Paige, knock it off. You know, (laughs) Yeah, it's amazing how so our much can get the better of us, right? Just our thoughts that start mm-hmm. comparing and it, it goes back to the comparing. And once you start comparing, then you start feeling entitled and then you start wanting everything the same. Mm-hmm. And guess what? In a husband and wife relationship, it will never be the same. Never. Never, no, never, and never, never. I'm very <laughs> blessed that Joseph has been very patient with me. <laughs> there are many, many navigate times that. Where- there are many, many times there, there are days where I am working the whole day in the yard and dad is doing paperwork and maybe taking a nap. And then there are days when dad is working the whole day in the yard and I'm off at lunch with friends and you know, whatever <laughs> I mean, this, this is, you just, you you can't keep a tally people no. that keep a running. And it's exhausting to keep problem. a tally. Oh, yeah. yeah. Like when I, when I'm like in a mood and I think of, well, he didn't do this when I asked him to, you know, this didn't happen. You know, I wish he would have done this. And then, you know, that little voice like, well, you didn't tell him to do that. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm like, why am I even thinking about this? Like, this just makes me hate my spouse. (laughs) Like, why would I do that? (laughs) I mean, that's a pretty strong word. Okay. Not hate, but like resent or something. Annoyed at. Annoyed. Be annoyed by That's probably a better (laughs) word choice. Um, I will say, you know, that, that our, my relationship with dad changed, absolutely transformed when we both just embraced the, let's just think of the best of the other person. And let's, if we want, if we want to do something, let's just get in there and do it. And then if we can help each other, let's help each other. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and so we just decided we would just do, but now this works for me and dad because we both are doers. Right. And that, that is the, where some people run into a problem. And see, like for, for me and Joseph, like I can be a doer, 
-hmm. but there are times where I don't want to be a doer. See, there you go. And see, he probably does the same thing. Mm -hmm. And so then he's exactly the same. In fact, he usually waits for me to tell him to do stuff. Yeah. So then you've got one person who's motivated in one person in one minute and one person who's not in another. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're comparing your motivated state to somebody else's non-motivated state. (laughs) The two of you could do that all the time, but, but sometimes you just have to go, you know what, that's the human experience. And when I work with someone as closely as I do with my spouse, that I need to just give him the benefit of the doubt. And if he's going to look at his Facebook on his phone while I am doing all the dishes, so be it. I don't have to take that personally. I don't have to care. Um, you know, and, and if, and if I really did feel like literally and truly he was making me do absolutely everything for real, if, if somehow it, it really did seem like, wait a minute, we need to get more on the same page. Then I would just have a productive conversation with him, mm-hmm. non-emotional where I say, Hey, you know, we need a, we need to make a plan for how we can be more effective, right? Couples stuff meeting. That we're doing. Yeah, exactly. Couples meeting, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. So that's, that's I think that's the biggest thing yesterday. though in the marriage is make sure that you are doing your very best to meet your spouse's needs because that is fair. And I know Joseph, especially since I've gotten pregnant, Joseph has been so good about meeting my needs, especially when I communicate those to him, mm-hmm. um, he's, you know, gone above and beyond to help me be comfortable to, you know, help me with my little exercises to help prepare me for giving birth, you know, stuff like that. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for him. In fact, there have been multiple days where I'm like, I feel like I'm not doing enough, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. where I feel like I'm on the lacking end instead of mm-hmm. me doing the most. Mm-hmm. And so it's been really humbling for me, but it's, you know, as I feel like as long as I'm doing my absolute best to meet his, you know, emotional needs and help out where I can, Mm -hmm. then, you know, I think it all evens out, but that's Mm -hmm. really what makes it fair is not counting apples to apples. It's both of the hearts going in the same direction. Recognizing the apples and oranges that they work well together. They're both in the fruit basket and that you both worked hard to get them there for each other. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, variety is good, right? So I bet you people thought when we were going to talk about does fairness matter? I think <laughs> they probably thought there's no way they're getting onto marriage today. But somehow we ended up there. We ended up at marriage. But I hope that you've gotten some things here. I hope that you understand that fairness, um, it actually does matter. But really, it's more of a heart thing if you really mm-hmm. want to go to the, the, the higher understanding, I guess, of fairness. If we want to just think of sameness, uh, it still is going to matter to your children. You know, the little ones especially are going to notice it, but if you feed it and you make everything same all the time, it's always going to matter. And then you got entitlement. So you got problems there. So, um, so it is good to teach them, Hey, fair is a myth, you know, fair is a myth. It can't happen, but we can take into account where somebody's at their individual journey, their developmental level, the needs that they have and who we are with each other. When you put all those things together, you end up with beautiful service, love, attention, sharing and family unity and bonding. And that is actually that unity of course is at the heart of everything we do here at teaching self-government. So if you would like to find out more about any of the things that we've talked about, as well as, much much more you can take the teaching self-government parenting course it is on teachingselfgovernment.com there's a lot of other resources there as well so check those things out and we will talk to you again next time bye-bye
You've been listening to the Teaching Self-Government Podcast. For more information and resources to help unite your family, visit teachingselfgovernment.com.